the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is a Wednesday, hump day, middle of the week day, over the hill day. We are closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That's a good thing. Uh, today's going to be a nice day out. They're saying about, what, 86, 87 degrees, about a 3% chance of rain. Humidity's going to be low. I guess today I'll I'll get in my wheelchair and wheel myself out to the patio and, and uh get up on the deck now my wife can't hoist me up on the deck in my wheelchair she's not strong enough to pull me up so i'll get out and i'll 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 butt walk up the the steps you know how you you do that you get out you sit down on the step and then using my good leg i'll propel myself up to the next step and the next step and the next step until i get on the deck uh linda by then will have the wheelchair there waiting for me i get back in the wheelchair she'll move me around so I'm firmly in the sun, and uh, I'll catch a few rays this afternoon and, and enjoy the uh, afternoon out on uh, the deck uh, by the above-ground pool that I have. I love just sitting out by it for the simple reason uh, I, les- I like to listen to the water bubble. That, to me, gets my mind off of a lot of stuff that's going on in this country right now, and to say that there's a lot of of topics that are out there for us to talk about is an understatement. So let me tell you a little bit about what you can expect here uh, on the show. At 6.35, Liz Harrington from the RNC is going to join me, and we're going to talk about what's going on with the uh, the DNC, uh, the Dems uh, National uh, Convention. Uh, last night was a tale of, like, two conventions. You had the Democrat Party. They want you to remember they used to be back in the uh, the 90s because they had Clinton speak and all of that and uh, Colin Powell and some other people. But then they had uh, the radical lefties come on, AOC and others. So you saw the, the, the DNC that is today. And so they're trying to confuse you on which one is in power, and there's really no confusion here. Uh, Joe Biden would not have the necessary delegates if the left, uh, if Bernie Sanders and the left, hadn't thrown their weight behind him, and uh, if uh, Biden hadn't uh, steered, of course, uh, directly left uh, for his candidacy, and the candidacy that uh, is Biden is not one that, I would say during the Clinton era uh, was more centrist. I won't say it was centrist left, not centrist right, 
But, uh, you know, the bottom line is, is that uh, they want you to think that it's still that way. And you've been paying attention over the last four years. And you've definitely been paying attention over the last year. And you know, you know, with the Green New Deal and everything else that's out there, this is not your mama and daddy's Democratic Party by a long shot, by a long shot. So uh, they're trying to they're trying to mix the water, muddy the water, so to speak. I don't believe that it's happening. We'll see. Uh, as we go along, because we'll see if Biden gets a convention bump, which is normal. But this year is so abnormal, or as we said in Young Frankenstein, abnormal. It's so abnormal that uh, I don't know you get a bump or not since everything is being done uh, basically virtual. So it'll be interesting to see if if that happens. And because... See, this is really important. The reason the bump happened, I believe, is not specifically what was said in the speeches, but how the people that were in the arenas reacted to what was being said in the speeches. And by being all excited and jazzed up and stuff, uh, that can be infectious. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, here in the next week as uh, President Trump will get ready next week to do the Republicans' virtual uh, convention that uh, that they'll be doing. So we'll have to keep our eye on that. But coming up at uh, 6.35 today, Liz Harrington from the RNC. Liz joins us about uh, every six weeks and speaks her mind on a lot of issues. Today she'll be talking about the DNC and uh, she and I will exchange some uh, some words about that. I had uh, Elizabeth put an article by Newt Gingrich uh, that was published on Fox News last night. I had her put it on my uh, Facebook page. And you can be part of my Facebook page. It's real easy to do. Just go to Facebook.com and then up where it says search. Type in Dave Ellswick Show, and when you find it, just join. Uh, I don't have to, you know, give you the, you know, the genuflect and all of that kind of stuff. I don't, we don't sit down and have, uh, you know, Passover meal or anything. The bottom line is, is that uh, everybody who asks to be a part of the Dave Ellswick uh, Show webpage can become one. And, uh, you know, we take our chances that, you know, the trolls that are out there won't try to get on. And they do at times. But Elizabeth does a good job of watching. And if if you're just a troll, know that you might get to say a few things. But uh, we'll find you and uh, then we will target you and then we will get rid of you because, uh, I mean, you don't have to, you know, uh, say uh, that you're a heavy duty Trump supporter. Uh, on the on the page, you don't have to do that. But if everything you say is anti-Trump, uh, or everything you say is anti-conservative, then you don't you don't need to be on my page. And at that point, we'll ask you to leave, and we'll block you. Uh, we've had to do that, I think, over the last two years to maybe three people. That's all we've done. We've only had a few people that have been just unrelenting. 
uh, in in what they they want to post. But anyway, you can be on my Facebook, and that and what that does, we post all of the material, uh, the news stories and whatnot that I use during my show. Uh, so that you can read the same material that I'm reading and the facts that I'm giving you. I don't make things up, you know, out of cloth. I, I don't sit here, you know, a couple hours before my show. I don't, number one, I don't get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I, could, I couldn't do that and function. I get up at about 4.30 in the morning. And uh, the first thing that I do is start going over all of the, uh, sites that I use for my news, uh, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, uh, time to time, CNN, uh, and and look at what is the big stories that they're all jumping on. And then I, I go to my secondary sources. I, I go to the uh, Daily Caller. I go to, you know, um, uh, the Daily Wire and people like that and start looking at them, Breitbart and others, and see what they have on those big stories. And then I, I can start formulating uh, what I think and can uh, pull off those stories as being the truth. And that's what I share with you. Uh, sometimes, you know, I share stuff with you and say that, you know, this is out there. And I'll also tell you that I don't know, you know, if it's right or it's wrong because they don't post their sources all they say is uh, an anonymous source or whatever. And I'll tell you that they base it on anonymous sources. So anyway, uh, you know, be part of the show. The reason I say all of that is to tell you that this story from Newt Gingrich on Fox, I, I really uh, appreciated it uh, so much because Newt and I were, you know, right nose to nose, basically, on what we were saying. I have said as we've gone along uh, with this uh, this race this this time for Trump, that uh, Trump was going to win. I have never faltered from saying Trump was going to win, even when uh, the national media was saying Biden was up by 14 points. I mean, 14 points. I knew that was B.S., in uh, bull hockey, the first time I saw it, most people should have known it. And then over a two-month period, all of those numbers disappeared, and suddenly it's neck to neck. Uh, I don't even believe it's neck to neck. I think uh, President Trump is ahead. Uh, a, a story came out about a Marxist poll, not a, a, not the you know philosophy of Marxism, a Marist poll, pardon me, I said Marxist, Marist poll, came out and said that Trump now is up by seven in Texas. Now, I would have told you that was the case months ago. Because if you've ever lived in Texas, you know that uh, the left is not going to, to win. Remember when they kept saying Beto O'Rourke was going to knock off Cruz? And what, what happened? Did it happen? No, he got his butt stomped. You know, he stomped it into a mud hole. And that's what happened to Beto O'Rourke. When's the last time we heard from Beto O'Rourke when he was running for president? And that didn't go so good for him. So, and, you know, isn't it interesting Kamala Harris is the, the vice, vice president nominee? Do you know when she left uh, running for president, she only had 3%? of likely voters behind her and it with black voters. And this is this is kind of the interesting thing uh, in them picking her 
and I've got reasons for believing it, but, you know, unless you know me, I'm not going to tell you on the air because uh, the, the people will start attacking me left and right, uh, saying that I'm racist. But the bottom line is she was number four in attracting black votes. The people that were in front of her were Biden, Sanders, and Warren. She was number four. She was in low single digits with the number of black voters that supported her. So the the whole belief uh, from uh, a lot of the pundits that somehow she's going to, you know, pull in the black vote, I think, uh, is different. I'll make a prediction right now. You know, I think Trump may get as high as 15 to 20 percent of the black vote uh, come November. Oh, I know. I can hear him screaming out there. I hear him. Ain't going to happen, Dave. Never happened. Uh, what's that? The black candidate's uh, name? Is it Kalich in Baltimore? That's uh, running there in, in, in uh, the, the district in Baltimore that just released that new ad. Have you guys seen that yet? Man, you got to watch that. Uh, I think uh, Elizabeth put it up on my my page, but the bottom line is it show, she's a black candidate. She's a young black Republican. She reminds me a lot of Mia Love, and uh, she wa- she's walking through Baltimore, through the black area of Baltimore, and she says, this is what the Democratic Party doesn't want black voters to see. And she walks them through Baltimore, and it looks like a bombed-out area. It's all run down. The infrastructure is completely crumbled. It's, it's terrible, absolutely terrible. And she makes the statement as she's walking through Baltimore. She says, the most dangerous place to be black is in any of the democratically controlled big cities of America. They all look like this. And it's powerful, man. I'm telling you, it's powerful. In fact, in metrics, in digital metrics, it did bigger numbers than uh, Michelle Obama's speech at the convention did uh, Monday, uh, Tuesday night. Unbelievable. I think it had like 14 and a half million views. That tells me it it, it really resonated uh, in the community out there. It's a, it's a great ad. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. Uh, I forget what her name is. I'll have it for you when I come back. We've got our first break coming up. Then I'll tell you why what Newt said that I completely agree with. And we'll get ready for Liz Harrington from the RNC. She's coming up at uh, 635. We've got traffic and weather for you. Uh, right now, here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you. Uh, the name of that black candidate, Republican young woman, who's running in Baltimore is Kimberly Klasick. That's K-L-A-C-I-K. Kimberly Klasick. Uh, you know, Google her name and watch her ad. It's incredible. Or you can just go to my my page uh, on uh, Facebook, Dave Ellswick Show, and uh, kind of scroll through it, and you'll find it. It's there. We Elizabeth posted it, and if and I know she's listening right now. And by chance, if she missed it, 
uh, she'll put it on, and it'll be up there momentarily. It's, it's an amazing ad. It really is an amazing ad. So we're waiting at for 635 Liz Harrington from the RNC. Uh, she's going to join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and we'll talk about last night at the DNC. Great article by Newt Gingrich uh, in on Fox uh, yesterday that said that this, what he said is that the Biden-Harris uh, ticket would come apart at the seams uh, just the same way that the McGovern uh, ticket came apart in 1972. And I have I not said that? I mean, you you got to be a little bit of a of a student of history to see what's going on because it repeats itself. It's it's amazing how it repeats itself. And uh, you've got McGovern running uh, back in 72 uh, against, of course, uh, uh, Richard Nixon. And he is one of the most leftist uh, candidates ever for the, the Republican Party, or uh, pardon me, for the Democratic Party. In fact, uh, his his platform and the Democrats' platform at that time, probably uh, the most, I like how they like to say progressive. Uh, I like to call it, you know, crazy. Uh, they had, I mean, really, really, really a lefty Marxist crazy uh, policy. I mean, McGovern wanted a monthly you know, stipend for citizens and all of that. Wow, where are we hearing that now? Oh, it's the Democrat Party today. Uh, yeah, and, you know, he was saying all of these things, and uh, he was showing well in the polls. Now, Engel- Eagleton was his original uh, vice presidential candidate. Eagleton was, I believe, a, he was either congressman or senator uh, from Missouri, and it came out, uh, during the race that he had ha- undergone undergone shock treatments uh, uh, while um, you know not running for you know the the highest office in the land as a vice president that he had undergone shock treatments and the American public was like what he's had shock treatments why do you have shock treatments and uh, it made big big news and he ended up uh, pulling back and and not running as the uh, vice presidential candidate with McGovern. But McGovern was his own worst enemy. I mean, here was a World War II hero, and that's what he was, a World War II hero. And he just ran on one of the most lefty platforms you could ever run on. And he believed in it. And that's why he only won South Dakota when the election was held. He got decimated he got just blown out of the water and uh, don't think that that can't happen again uh this whole defund police and all that uh biden hasn't uh, hasn't been able to now uh you know um, break away from that he's tried and when he tries the left of the party won't let him and it's going to be that way all the way through this election. Every time he tries to do something that goes centrist, 
the left is going to pull him back. It's going to be like watching uh, The Godfather. Every time I try to get out, they pull me back in. That's exactly what it's going to be like. So I'm expecting Biden to lose, and so is Newt. Read his article. It's on my uh, Facebook page. News is next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Liz Harrington from the RNC joins us on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm glad to have her. Uh, have you had enough of the DNC yet, Liz? <laughs> oh, I've had more than, more than enough. <laughs> I mean, it's it's painful. It, it's only two hours, and it feels like days watching it every I agree. Night. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know, what, what amazed me last night, and I, I just kind of – the Cubs were on FS1, so I was watching the Chicago Cubs in, in St. Louis, and I'm flipping back and forth to see, see what was going on with the convention. And what I was kind of – I found interesting is you had, you had uh, Joe Biden's wife speak, you had Bill Clinton speak, you had Colin Powell speak, and then ROC got like a minute and uh, some other – people from the left got a little bit more time and did it not seem to you that the democrats were trying to remind everybody of the glory days of the 90s and then muddied the waters of the 21st century by saying we're still the right centrists that we were in the 90s it's been such an incoherent message um yeah, they kind of gloss over all the, the failures, I mean, never mind the, the fact that uh, you mentioned Newt Gingrich when we were off air, but I mean, the reason the success of the 90s was uh, Republicans getting <laughs> taking yeah, yeah, back the, the Congress and reforming. And it, Bill Clinton, is, that's not his party anymore. It's completely nope. absurd. Uh, he was always more, you know... Um, about, I think, just the whole game of it all, not really the ideology of it all. But this, I mean, the party today, they're so far left. I mean, you couldn't recognize uh, running the way Bill Clinton ran. Um, But what's interesting about last night is it's all the same it's the same people, which kind of, I guess, goes across party lines. The permanent Washington, the swamp. Yeah, yeah swamp, you're right. The swamp. I mean, we we said last night, our chairwoman said last night. Well, the swamp found its man. Uh, they know they're behind this guy. I mean, that's what we rejected in 2016, which really was uh, the reason why Republicans are so unified today is because we finally got somebody who's representing and following through what you know, members of our own party failed to do for years as well. All these politicians saying one thing to get into office and never doing it, and Washington would never change. And that that's what you got. You had a montage of all these people from the deep state, basically, you know, that tried to sabotage Trump. You had Yovanovitch. You had Sally Yates. The people that they that spied on President Trump and did everything they could to say our vote was illegitimate. Uh-huh. I mean, these it's so corrupt. Yeah, and you know what's what was really rich last night was Bill Clinton talking about what goes on in the Oval Office with Trump. <laughs> I mean, I I I literally burst out laughing when he started it's doing that. 
And Elizabeth I mean, Warren, by the way, was speaking at their Native American <laughs> uh, panel this afternoon. You can't make it up. I mean, I know. they are so shameless. I know. I know. Well, let me let me just go back to that Newt Gingrich article, because it's oh, before I do that. Let me bring a name up to you, because I believe this name. She reminds me of Mia Love from Utah when she burst on the scene. And it's Kimberly, uh, Kimberly Klasik. Have you seen her ad? Oh, everyone's seen it. I don't know who hasn't seen it. Holy it's crap. Incredible. That is powerful. And, you know, I saw her on Fox last night, and she she really, it it was a great interview. The president tweeted her ad again last night, and, you know, she said, we have to show up. Uh, We can talk to people and say there's a better way. Baltimore hasn't uh, had a Republican since 1932, something like that. Same with Chicago. All these cities. and. They're being left behind. It's an utter failure. The great society has been great for no one that's been stuck and trapped in these Democrat-run cities. And, uh, yeah, it's a very powerful ad. We're fully behind her. It, it's, it's really great to see uh, just you know, regular Americans stepping up and saying, you know, there's a choice. It doesn't have to be this way. Yeah, oh man, I just tell you, I saw that ad, I watched it, and I was like, man, who's her team? Yeah, make <laughs> because, Baltimore great again. <laughs> yeah, that was fan. It's fantastic. It really is great. It's everything that I feel about America and why the cities are the way that they are today. Look, I grew up outside of Chicago uh, back in the late 50s and, and through the 60s, and this couple weekends ago when they had the big riots down on on Michigan Avenue. And I, I mentioned on my show, I said, if you want to see the biggest difference between Democrats today and the Democrats then, let me just tell you, if Mayor Daley had been mayor of Chicago when those people showed up on Michigan Avenue, it would have been a total different way of how he would have dealt with them. Totally different, because he was a law and order Democrat. No such thing exists now. It, it doesn't exist anymore. And it, it is. It's, it's that, yeah, my mom grew up in Baltimore when she was a little girl. Oh, and wow. it, it's just it's just so sad it, what's happened to so many of these cities. And it, it's amazing, too. The first night of the convention, you had Joe Biden who's been in Washington 47 years, asked yes. Lori Lightfoot, who's the mayor of a city that's been run by Democrats since 1931. That's right. And how do we change the system? Oh, I don't know. Maybe by not voting uh, for voting Republican, not voting Democrat. You've yeah. been running these places. There's, somehow they, have, they just wash their hands and there's no accountability and they can just say, oh, it's the system. It's systemic. Well, it is systemic, but it's the policy, and somehow they're That's never right. accountable to the policies they've put in place, which have been just terrible for cities in particular. Well, it's been the same policy over and over and over and over again. Uh, we've got all this money. Let's throw it to our cronies, and they pocket it, and they do nothing for the people in the inner city. 
Yeah. That's it's, the way the Democrats run did, the cities of America. They so many billions to Baltimore. Uh, Kimberly Clasic was was referencing the stimulus. I remember reporting on that Obama-Biden stimulus. Biden still tries to tout that and take credit. It was a complete disaster. It was all about cronyism. It was a bunch of green energy boondoggles and the rest. But Baltimore got billions of dollars. Where did it go? Where did it go? Some Somebody People got rich. People didn't see it. But the, yeah, people, but the didn't, people see didn't see it. And it's really, really awful. And I think people are waking up in, in a lot of other places as well because you've seen really what happens when they get an excuse to take even more power over all your daily life decisions. And look what they're doing in California. Oh uh, shutting off people's power and water, it, it, never mind the fact that they've their war on natural gas, which is what the Democrat Party is doing, uh, is led to total disaster with their power grid. But they're they're wielding that against people. If you throw a party, you can't go to church. Uh, but, oh, you can riot and loot and you can march in the street and take a knee. I mean, this is the it's everything's politicized and there's two different standards uh, of justice. It's utter lawlessness if you have the correct political view and everyone else, a law abiding citizen. Well, good luck. You're punished. Well, yeah, it's all totalitarian. I mean, it's you under their thumb completely. That's that's the way they've always played the game, though. I mean, back in the day in Chicago, even when Mayor Daley was there, if you didn't support him for reelection, your district just didn't get the necessary funds. It was that simple. So you either played ball or you were out of the game completely. All right, we've got to get a break in. Let's do that. When we come back, let's talk further with Liz Harrington. There's more to talk about than just the DNC. We can talk a, a little bit about how uh, Donald Trump is driving uh, the, the uh, Democrats crazy by pardoning Susan B. Anthony. I want to talk a little bit about that. I think it's hilarious. We'll come back and uh, speak about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But we got traffic and weather right now at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, 1972, it was McGovern and Eagleton. That's how it started. Eagleton had to drop out, as I told you earlier uh, in the half hour before we got Liz on because it was found out that he had gone through shock treatments, and uh, he dropped out of the, uh, the race. For the life of me, I can't, I can't remember who was a sacrificial lamb that, that's stood in his place to be honest i I just don't i don't remember the name anyway um mcgovern was the most lefty uh candidate that the democrats ever ran and the most leftist uh, platform that they've ever ran uh, was back there in 72 Uh, they're almost outdoing it this year with, uh, you know, defund the police and and all the rest of the stuff that they're out there doing. But let's talk yesterday. You know, the president's really good, Liz, at taking the thunder and the headlines away from the Democrats. And they hate this because he can do it. And yesterday he kept he, he built up everybody as a, 
I'm going to pardon somebody. Now, it's not going to be Snowden. I'm not going to pardon Snowden. And I even fell into it. I said, maybe it's Assange. Maybe you'll let Assange the pardon Assange. No, it was Susan B. Anthony, because yesterday was the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage. And Susan B. Anthony was one of the huge uh, people who made that possible. And no sooner had he did that, the left hates Trump so bad that they canceled Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. This guy, you know, he could, he could get world peace. Well, in fact, he did get a peace deal last yeah. week. Uh, all of these things, it's never, I mean, they got it. Have you seen the Babylon Bee? recently came out with the the circle of, of fake news and it, it really is a, a fantastic little flow chart which shows you know whatever trump does and then the chain reaction of the fake news and the democrats and they end up being so ridiculous i mean now you can't i guess you can't like susan b anthony you can't go to mount rushmore uh, see the DNC. That's what's so disingenuous about them. Oh, look, American flags and the anthem. It's like they yeah. literally called us racist for going to Mount Rushmore like a month ago. <laughs> it's so insane. But um, it was such a nice gesture. Everyone should go and watch the the event. It's only about a half hour long, but President Trump brought a bunch of great women leaders to the White House and and uh, he announced the pardon, of course, which is just, you know, he's like, I couldn't believe it. You know, someone we found out and we're like, let's let's do it. And it was a, it was a great moment. And it really also was a great moment to hear from these women who uh, obliterate the media's misconception about President Trump not having female support. Well, he has so much female support. Yep. Um, it's, you, you know, you, you don't just, they, the media Democrats say you lose your women's status if you're pro-life, uh, if you're pro-family. There's so many women that are just leaders of their family and they appreciate what President Trump has done, absolutely. And they care about the country. Uh, they certainly care about their pocketbooks and their family's finances. Uh, and they certainly care about the life issue, which, by the way, you mentioned McGovern and the platform. I mean, this it's written in the platform now, taxpayer-funded abortion. Yes. That's how far left they've gone, the Democrats. Yeah. It's so extreme. Yeah, yeah they, they are really extreme. I mean, it, it's really amazing that they believe that they're going to win because – I'm, maybe I'm stupid or something, but I've always I've always seen America as being a uh, a centrist right country. It, it 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 leans conservative, but it's not overly conservative. They're not like me, Liz. All right. I mean, I look like <laughs> Hag- I look like Hagar the Barbarian. I sit at the dinner table. I've got a big old turkey leg that I'm I'm gnawing on. Uh, that's not what the average American looks like. Uh, but they are more. They do believe in law and order, and what they see going on in the cities, uh, they're not going to put up with, and they're not going to put up with a party uh, that is standing behind that and saying, "Let's 
defund the police. They're not going to, they don't believe that taxpayer funds should be paying for women's abortions. They've said that over and over and over again. Uh, they do believe in the Hyde Amendment. And, uh, you know, the Democrats are, are they're going for, for it all. I mean, they, they're all in. They're like the Cincinnati kid. They pushed all their money in the middle of the table and they're betting on one card, and it better be that one. It better not be that one card, because if it is, they lose. I've never really seen anything like it. I mean, what they—they've completely ignored what we said in 2016. I mean, that was a rejection of which the Obama-Biden administration, which was a left administration, it was the most left-wing policy we've ever seen. It was. So rejected. I mean, what happened in 2010 when Republicans had the biggest sweep, not just in the House, but across the entire country, they, they've rejected all of this. They haven't moderated since then. Uh, they continue, it's my way or the highway. And now they're running on this insane platform. No energy. Uh, you can't. The taxpayer-funded abortion, the health care, which is, I mean, nothing else but a Trojan horse for single payer. That's literally what the inventor of the public option said it was, Jacob Hacker. He said, it's not even a Trojan horse. It's just right there. We're going to tell people, but we don't want to scare them into taking away, but we're going to take away their health care. And so, look, everything they're doing is about government control, and they don't care about anything else. And... Americans, we're born free because of our great system. Uh, that is, we're different. We're different than the rest of the world because we have that freedom. And when you come in, and these Democrats with a heavy hand, and you take that away, you try to, and you shut everyone down, and you lock everyone down, and you play politics with schools, and you don't let kids back in, and you really mess with our freedom, I think it's going to be soundly rejected. I think it's going to be uh, so loud and clear on November 3rd. They're not going to know what hit them, but it's because they embrace this radicalism. We see what's happening in these streets, in these cities. It's That's not America. And what's no. amazing about Michelle Obama's absurd speech I went through line by line, but then showed the image of the reality of what living under Democrat rule looks like. Uh-huh. That's what we need to reject. That's what's not America. We, we, we can't allow this to happen here, and I don't think we will. Well, people haven't even begun to see, I believe, uh, the ad campaign that the Trump campaign uh, has prepared for Joe Biden and and his vision of America and the Democrats' vision of America and what they'll remind everybody about Kamal Harris and 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 whatnot. By the way, uh, the person that took uh, Eagleton's place on the McGovern ticket. Here's a name from the past I had totally forgotten about: Sergeant Shriver. Do you well? You don't remember. You. Well, Shriver is that the same? The same Shrivers with um, the Kennedys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so him. the same people. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 him. You know, I mean, I re, I remember on uh, 
what was it, Rolling Stone magazine. They had him dressed up like, uh, you know, something from uh, the, a Beatles song or something, uh, mm. uh, you know, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. The times are changing. Here's the other thing, and the last thing I'll mention to you. They, they canceled out Susan B. Anthony, but oh, they, right. st- they still embrace Margaret Sanger. Isn't it's, that really it's, amazing? It's unbelievable, and it, it's, it's, it's amazing because New York Times a few weeks back said, oh, well, the New York office, the sect of Planned Parenthood was going to take Margaret Sanger's name off the building. Well, if you really denounced Margaret Sanger, you would just close up shop. I mean, that Yeah, because you believe mission. what you believe. I mean, that's what Planned Parenthood has done. They've accomplished it. It's, it's horrific when you look at the numbers. It's so sad. Um, and again, we started this conversation off really with Kimberly Klasik. That yep. We need voices more like, like this. To reach out. And that's what President Trump was doing, too, with opportunity zones, with turning around this economy. There is a better way. There's a better life. And it starts with life. Uh, It starts with life in the womb, and it also starts with school choice. Uh, Democrats are on the wrong side of all of these issues. They block real choice. They block freedom and opportunity. And there's just so many things that we can... Um, if we if we stop if we get in these cities and we stop them from voting Democrat and we really turn things around, there's a better way. It's the American way. It's the freedom way. I agree. Uh, and Democrats they have just had these awful policies for so long, and now they're so shameless that they've gone so far to the left uh, that people I think are really seeing it for 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 what it is, and they're going to reject it. Liz Harrington from the RNC. Love having you on, Liz. Thanks for giving us the time this morning. We'll have you on before the election. Thank you very much here from the Dave Ellswick Show. Thanks, Dave. All right. Liz Harrington here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Coming up, Congressman French Hill joins us at 6 after on the Dave Ellswick Show. Seven o'clock hour, and that means uh, time to sit down and to speak with Congressman French Hill. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Democratic National Convention in a minute. But the first thing I want to talk about, there's two things. One is uh, on the Internet, and I dealt with this Monday from my own view about the National Defense Act, and you voted for it, and Crawford voted for it, and Womack, and evidently buried deep in the 1,400 pages of that bill, there's something about 
uh, red flag laws and the military and whatnot. And people are saying that you went soft on the Second Amendment. And I, I here's what I said. Now, you tell me if I'm wrong, Congressman. I said the reason the congressman voted for the act, number one, he understands that that's going to end up in a joint committee where Republicans and Democrats are going to sit across the table from each other. And Republicans are never going to allow that piece of uh, that legislation to see the light of day. And number two, you wanted to make sure that it gets passed so that our men and women in the military get their necessary pay raises and we get the necessary parts that we need uh, for uh, for our uh, uh, tanks and planes. Am I wrong? You got it right. Uh, This is the major national defense bill that funds all of our operations around the world, gives a pay raise to the men and women in uniform. It was uh, negotiated uh, hard by Matt Thornberry of Texas. Uh, This issue that you raise, uh, which is called a red flag law, uh, first of all, I oppose red flag laws at the federal level. I voted against them. I have an A rating from the NRA. Uh, This was a small provision of the bill that was not discussed as it was passing the House floor. That anyone who's guilty of a domestic violence abuse in uh, the military had the same laws applied to them that the federal civilian law has, is what it did. And they are calling it a red flag law. It's actually lining that up. That's what I've read about it. We did not discuss it before it passed. You're right, it's only in the House bill, not in the Senate bill. And I called my friend Tom Cotton, who will be involved in reviewing the Senate Conference Committee, just to alert him of this issue. He didn't know about it either. Uh, But I think it is a, uh, why I don't, I think it should be taken out of the bill. I have no problem with it being taken out of the bill. I don't think it's actually technically a red flag law, uh, but I oppose uh, red flag laws. And uh, so, yeah, I think it was confusing. But the reason the whole Arkansas delegation supported our national defense bill was exactly what you said, which is it funds our national defense, our uh, critical pay raises for men and women in uniform. So there's no change in my view on that subject whatsoever. I knew there was no change in yours or Womack's or uh, Crawford's or Westerman's or anybody's. You know, it, it's 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 nothing but subterfuge. That, that's smoke and mirrors is what it is. And what's bad is when people that are on the right, you know, grab hold of something like that and start saying, you guys have gone soft. No, you haven't. You just haven't. No, and that, you know what? They need no. to understand how the process works a little bit, uh, Congressman. Yeah, well, I still think uh, that uh, it should be taken out in conference if the Senate uh, reviews it carefully, I'm sure it as will I be. say. And uh, <clears throat> it's not the way that you should operate on something of that nature. Uh, but I do want listeners to know that it was not a new red flag law targeted at military people, which is the way. I would describe it based on the rumor mill on the Internet. All right. Now, I want to talk about something else that has really got my ire up. You came on the right day, Congressman. My ire is <laughs> up for you, brother. Uh, this is a national story, and it's been localized by your opponent. 
And that is the seven and a half percent that uh, the president wants to give us all uh, in our paychecks that's used, that is sent to Social Security, Medicaid and Medicare. The Mm -hmm. left has grabbed hold of that and said that the president wants to bankrupt, uh, you know, Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. And anybody who knows and been following this knows that the law says that those particular programs will continue to be funded at the full rate. It's as if they're trying to say because uh, you all... Uh, gave everybody a $1,200 check in the last uh, the, the last uh, CARES Act or whatever it was called that uh, you all won't get paid next time. It's the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. And Joyce Elliott is parroting this, and I got to believe she knows that's a lie. Yeah, she's been dishonest on this topic in uh, in two ways. One, she says that because I voted for the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that reduced tax rates for all Americans and reduced tax rates on business in America, that somehow that means that Social Security and Medicare is going to be bankrupt. That's just a, a like a connection that doesn't exist. Uh, nothing is more uh, sacrosanct in our country than adequate support for Social Security and Medicare in both political parties and in by the president. This is just, uh, I mean, it's just a typical political spin trick by uh Joyce Elliott, she's completely dishonest on the point. Secondly, on the payroll tax issue specifically that you referenced in the CARES Act and in President Trump's executive order, <clears throat> President Obama also deferred uh, payroll taxes during the 08-09 crisis. President Trump's trying to get consensus on that. He has not. And so he issued an executive order that if a company wanted to defer payroll taxes and let their workers have that benefit, uh, he welcomed it. And that's what his executive order did. It did not cut the payroll tax. It did not end the payroll tax. It simply said an employer may defer that employee piece, the worker piece. Uh, It's still owed, and the money will still be paid by the company. But it's deferred to try to help families out. The president's trying to help families out in this tough, miserable uh, circumstance we find ourselves in the pandemic. All right, so let's let's move to the stories that uh, I would say are probably on everybody's mind. I, I don't know if you saw the story. I was just talking to Liz Harrington about it, and that being uh, New Gingrich has come around to believe, as I have, that what we're watching is the 1972 election uh, replay itself out as uh, McGovern 2.0. And McGovern, of course, and I I remembered Eagleton had to drop out of the race because Mm -hmm. people found out he had had shock treatments. I forgot who took his place, and I found out, uh, thank you to William, who hit me with an instant message. It was Sergeant Shriver. Remember that name? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you got you have McGovern with his leftist platform, and he got his he got his butt stomped into a mud hole. And I gotta believe, as the next few weeks play out, Joe Biden may find himself in the same position. Well, 
Americans uh, don't like what they're seeing in their country on the social unrest side. They don't like the policies that are being promoted by Bernie Sanders, which has now written the Democratic platform, which is a radical platform of raising energy costs raising taxes, reducing your choice in health care, having the government abolish private health insurance, and this list of promises they're making goes on and on, and I'm not even touching defunding the police, uh, ending the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Bureau. This is not where Americans are, and Americans want their cities at peace, and they don't want looting and murder and mayhem in their cities. And I don't see anyone in the Democratic Party condemning it. I don't see anybody in the Democratic Party trying to correct it. Uh, and it's it's just got Americans in a tizzy. And, you know, you mentioned 72 about the potential outcome of the election. Yep. I think that's conceivable. But I, this feels a lot more uh, like the... The summer of 68, when it oh, comes sure. to the attitude of the people on the street. Yes. And this is not the country that we all love and cherish when we, we bless everybody for their First Amendment right. But that doesn't include going into the magnificent mile in Chicago and destroying every retail store and stealing everything out of it. Yeah, let me mention something to you about that. If people want to know the difference in the Democratic Party then and the Democratic Party now, if Richard Daley, the original Richard Daley, the boss, had been mayor of Chicago, you know as well as I do what would have happened if the people had tried to riot on Michigan Avenue and loot all the stores. Because the Democrats still did believe in law and order at that time. Well, the Democrats were totally opposed to Sergeant Shriver in the 1960s. Sergeant Shriver <laughs> was was Lyndon Johnson's uh, poverty guy. Yeah. And Sergeant Shriver took billions of taxpayer dollars in the Lyndon Johnson administration. And he, he as you know, didn't run in 68 because the whole world collapsed around him, not just in Vietnam, but in the United States. And Sergeant Shriver took that money and he gave it to the most radical groups, the Weather Underground, uh, the Black Panthers, others who were involved in the actual city unrest and had them set up nonprofits. And you're right. Uh, the mayor there in Chicago, Daly, the famous Daly mayor, the mayor out in Los Angeles, rebelled against the Johnson administration right. and Sergeant Shriver. And it was a catastrophe of bad social planning. And he, he, I can remember they were talking about Johnson's actually giving money to radical groups who were coming into our cities and doing bad things. Uh, so anyway... Long what do I story. say? McGovern 2.0. I'm just saying that you're seeing the we're seeing it all play out again. We'll come back, finish up our uh, time with uh, the congressman. There's a lot more to talk about. Let's talk about where he thinks uh, Trump is going to go as far as helping us out uh, during the last part of this pandemic. And is he going to really have to? We'll talk about that when we come back on the Dave Ellswick show. Seven more minutes with Congressman French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Congressman, how's the president doing on controlling the narrative about COVID-19? 
Well, Dave, I think as he's gotten in his campaign mode and he's back uh, focused on message, I see he's regaining uh, regaining the uh, control <clears throat> the control of that um, that messaging. In other words, cases are falling. Uh, what I think uh, he should do is continue to get out and urge people to safely follow the CDC standards and help get the economy open. And that's what he's been doing. But be consistent about it and then celebrate success where you can see success. Uh, I mean, right now we're in a major phase, a new phase, which is as we open schools, we want that to be as successful as possible. So I think that'll be critical for this election cycle is that people see success. It may be inconsistent. I mean, I noticed where uh, UNC, you know, University of North Carolina and Notre Dame both tried in person and and couldn't get it done. So I think we're going to have inconsistent successes, but I think the president's messaging should be we need to follow the CDC standards and and get back to uh, living and working. Well, what do you think about here in Arkansas? The uh, Little Rock uh, Teachers Union just came out, uh, I think, yesterday, saying that uh, all the teachers should basically strike and not go back to school. You know, this, this is what I don't understand, and I, I think it's very locational-specific. When I'm in other cities in my district, they're perfectly content to go back to school and are looking forward to it. So I, I don't know if there's a lack of communication here or if it's just uh, the union stirring up trouble and creating uh, fear, uh, but I don't think uh, that's the way to handle it. You need cooperation, and you need to put the children first. Our children need structure. Our children need education. We have many, many working parents who can't be at home uh, with their children. They don't want them to fall behind. We already struggle here with reading on grade level all the way through high school, and we don't want our kids to fall behind. So we can do this safely if uh, teachers and administrators uh, will cooperate and use all the guidelines that we've put out there. We've got good guidelines out there, and we need to follow them. Well, I can tell you my grandchildren want to go back to school. Boy, they, they've been hammering granddad. Keep talking about that, granddad. Keep talking about that. Yeah, well, but I'll up say, in Cabot, you know, I'll we're say, going back to school. Yeah, I'll say also, I know uh, all the superintendents I've talked to are making real accommodations for any teachers that feel like That's they have right. a health co- health crisis where they can teach remotely and the kids will be in the classroom with the teacher's aid. There's lots of ways to do this. I know it's challenging in overcrowded older school buildings and i know they have fewer choices but i see principals and superintendents getting innovative and if they work cooperatively with families and with the kids and everybody follows the rules um we can safely teach kids we really can um but i'm empathetic to the ones who are nervous and that's why every superintendent i've talked to has a a plan to try to help teachers who don't feel like they should be back in uh, in in a mix with a lot of adults and uh they're concerned about their health okay i i agree wholeheartedly uh with that and i appreciate uh, you getting behind and being positive about getting our kids back in school final thing if i want to talk about the economy i know you're the guy i want to talk to we don't have as much time as i would like to we got to get together and have lunch in the near future and talk about this the uh 
the Dow Jones is approaching 28,000 points. Uh, you know, NASDAQ is up. Everything's moving along. It looks like this recovery that the president has been talking about is coming to fruition. What's your thoughts? Uh, you think that we continue to see the dramatic shift to the positive that we've been seeing over the last few weeks? I do think it'll continue to slowly recover. We've created 8 million jobs. We still have 13 million fewer jobs than we had in February, which is what I'm focused on, is how do we get those people back to work. And, look, we're going to have some stubborn, tough areas. It will take a couple of years uh, probably to deal with the travel and leisure industry and and, uh, conventions and meetings and air. I think that's going to be very tough. It was tough coming out of 9-11. And yet we didn't shut down for as long as we did in this instance. So we've got some tough spots to get through. But I see business reopening. I see the uh, – I'm looking forward to seeing the leading indicators that will come out a little later this week. But you saw Walmart and Target sales were good. Oh, my gosh. Um, you see home building at records. And we were talking about old Johnson and McGovern in uh, 1972. So the last time a mortgage interest rate for somebody buying a house was this low was guess when? 1971. How about that, huh? (laughs) You have a lot of people uh, refinancing their houses, building new houses. Realtors are working seven days a week. Uh, And so we have strong parts of our economy, and we have weak parts, and we want to just keep that slow progress. But we don't want to have Biden raising taxes, raising regulations, Raising taxes on health care, destroying the energy industry. He says he's, his people are his people are opposed to fracking. There's nineteen nineteen million people that work in this country that are in the oil and gas business up in mostly Democratic states. I'll say, uh, you know, working delivering cheap natural gas for cold winters, and yet he wants to. He's ambivalent. He's been all over the map on this issue. But Kamala Harris is against fracking. Kamala yep. Harris is for the Green New Deal. She's for taking over our private health insurance. Uh, she was a radical choice. I don't know where this this uh, spin is that she's some sort of a moderating force on the Biden administration. Yeah, that ain't the case. Congressman, thanks for the time. All the we'll best. do it again next week. Have a great one. Congressman hey. French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Time now for us to get ready. Rush Limbaugh is on his way here at 101.1 FM. Uh, the answer, we'll get some traffic weather for it as well. But right now, let's go hear what El Rushbo has to say. All right, back with you. Don't forget about PI Roofing. You know, Joel Johnson, yes, uh, Monday when I was talking with uh, Secretary of State John Thurston and we were going over November 3rd and uh, what was some of the changes and things of that nature. And he came out and was talking about how poll workers were uh, needed. Uh, Joel sent me a a fast uh, text and said, you know, who do we call to get involved? I'd like to be involved. And then. So I asked that question on the air, and, and of course, uh, John had the answer for him. But uh, that's the kind of guy that Joel Johnson is. He's involved in his community. He's a great conservative. He wants to be a poll worker and uh, sit down and make sure that when you go to vote come November 3rd, in person with your stylist, that you'll, you'll love to do it because it'll be quick, it'll be efficient, and it will be Safe. With that all said, uh, you know, his big uh, 
saying is your roof. He runs PI Roofing. And I've used PI Roofing almost 20 years now. In fact, they were out at my house just a few weeks ago fixing a leak that was uh, caused by an antenna from DirecTV. And uh, they had to replace some uh, plywood on my roof and things of that nature. And they did. And that, that leak is gone now. But it was going to take them a week to get here. And they were afraid that we were going to, that there were some showers forecasted. So they showed up a couple of days before the showers were supposed to happen and they put down some material on my roof so that the rain couldn't get through the leaks until they could get to them and fix them permanently that's the type of uh, professionals the folks at pi roofing are they have you in mind and they take a good uh, care uh, take good care of you with your your roof you all you have to do is call them i mean you don't have to go see them they'll come out do the work you don't have to get close to them they'll do the social distancing thing call 707-3551 707-3551 or online piroofing.com you know we always talk about school choice here on the dave ellswick show and when i talk school choice the number one person I always want to have on is Lori Lee because she's been leading the charge about this uh, for many years. She's won some battles, but she's not won the war yet. But I believe coming up in this January in the next uh, uh, legislative session, General Assembly that's coming up, we just might win the war. And, Lori, welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. A new term being uh, bandied about micro schooling now i know everything about micro breweries but i do not know anything about micro schooling bring us up to date well fantastic dave thanks for uh thanks for allowing me to come on and share uh always uh, a tool that we are trying to help parents uh, implement, uh, especially during these times of uncertainty. And uh, it is micro-schooling. And micro-schooling is just what it sounds like. It's taking the idea of a school and uh, putting it in a home. And so a micro-school is a group of about five to ten learners, no more than ten is suggested, um, who meet um, in a classroom or at a church or in a person's home. And uh, they do school. Um, there are many avenues and many places where you can um, get curriculum or, you know, tap into this kind of thing. Uh, at the Reform Alliance, we have chosen to partner with an organization called Prenda. They have um, proven to be a very successful uh, with student outcomes organization for micro schooling. And that, and that is a Prenda School, singular.com is their website. And what they do is they form these micro schools of groups of students, uh, usually grouped in three grades. So they go K, uh, one, two, and then th- grades three, four, and five, and then grades six, seven, and eight um, uh, in those groups of about five to ten kids. And it doesn't have to be like that. The great thing about this, David, it is completely flexible to a community or a family or a neighborhood how they want to set it up. And um, what it allows them to do is um, home. It's 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 a kind of homeschool model, and the parents would choose a guide, and the guide is not the teacher. The guide is the facilitator, 
And so the teaching comes uh, digitally. And so they, um, through Prenda, and Prenda has used a, uh, co- a collection of the most world-class curriculums there are on planet Earth. And you can imagine delivering something digitally affords you the ability to tap into to anything. And so they use like Khan, um, and they use um, uh, other resources that are for uh, mastery learning, and they make sure that a child is ready to move on to the next, what, the, the, what would be called the next level or, you know, equivalent to grade. And so it's not based on age, it's based on knowledge, which education should be, and it affords uh, flexibility for parents. And in the time, especially here in Little Rock, where we don't know if kids are going to school or not going to school, it provides parents that may need to go back to work uh, the ability to have their kids in a learning environment with somebody who's trusted and knowing that their child is getting an an education. Um, As you know, uh, in March, April, and May, um, children were at home and parents were given um, AMI models and, you know, the, the districts did the best that they could with what they were given. But we've had several months now to really, you know, figure out um, some good models and, you know, some people are still able to do that. And if you're a parent that can stay home and, and you know, uh, facilitate the AMI or put your kid in a private school or, or hire a tutor or whatever, that's wonderful. And we're seeing the diversity in all kinds of education right now. But if you're a family who doesn't have that capability and you're interested in a micro school, we are working um, as we speak right now on funding these for um, our more disadvantaged families or lower income families uh, and also helping any family who wants to set one up uh, get it get it going. Uh, there is a nominal fee. Uh, Prenda charges $100 a month uh, per student, and there are discounts for siblings uh, to access their um, their learning portal. And then you can pay the guide whatever. So um, a guide can be somebody who's a volunteer. It can be a um, combination of parents that, you know, one parent is able to do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, or whatever. The great thing about these schools, this model, Dave, is that they are completely flexible and they are catering to the needs of the families and the students. That's fantastic. You know, this is where uh, my vision would lie where, churches could really get involved using this model absolutely absolutely this would be a great thing for a a, a church or a neighborhood a parent group a reading book a a mommy whatever it is it will fit whatever model Um, you don't have to use the prenda and we're willing to talk to anybody about setting up anything as you know um, at the Reform Alliance, we advocate for every model of education. If your kid's killing it, do an AMI through their public school district, we think that that's wonderful, and we <clears throat> want to do all we can to assist in that. But we do know that regardless of how great a school is, Dave, um, that that school, regardless if it's a public school, private school, digital school, no one school is able to serve the needs of every child that lives in a confined geographical space. So our our desire is that each and every child, regardless of their income, regardless of their status of their family, regardless of, you know, their where they live or who they know, that they are able to have access to all the education opportunities out there. 
You know, what's interesting is this school sounds a whole like a lot like uh, what you would have seen on television in Little House on the Prairie, where they had the, uh, you know, the school that everybody, all the kids went to, and then they broke them up in age groups and taught them. Uh, very similar to that. Um, you won't have any more than 10 kids, um, right. but if you do the Prenda model, but very similar to that. And uh, I don't know that it's necessarily once they get into it, they'll be tested to see where they are based on age, but really based on knowledge and making sure that they understand and know uh, what's happening. And so it's been extremely successful. They've been doing it in Arizona uh, for a little bit, um, Colorado, Nevada. Um, let's see, there, there are about eight states that are real, Oklahoma, um, New Hampshire, really going to town on this because we recognize now how um, how sensitive uh, the public school system is. You know, uh, you get a pandemic and what do you do? Uh, there are parents um, that have to go to work. They cannot stay home all day and make sure their kids are doing their homework. They cannot stay home all day with their children that are under, you know, the age to leave them at home. And so we've really created, uh, or we haven't, the, the situation has created some real challenges, especially for, of course, those families uh, who are of lower income. And so if you're a first responder or if you're a, um, a nurse or or if you're a, a retail worker or a fast food worker or somebody that has to go to work to earn money and you have a, you know, a third or fourth, fifth grader or second grader, you, you can't just quit your job and stay home uh, and teach your kids school. So this provides, and, and as I said at the beginning, we are working um, to provide funding for those families, for their children to do this, and also create a job in those communities for uh, a parent. Uh, so a guide can be paid, and we are advocating that guides are paid uh, in communities to create a job and also yep. to create and connect uh, with that parent, with their child in education, and also to bring those communities closer together uh, around uh, education. And so um, if you're someone that's listening uh, and you want to learn more about uh, micro schools, there's no obligation. Um, and we uh, do have a little bit of funding to start to start some of these uh, in Little Rock. Uh, our number is 501-244-9028. Or you can go find us on Facebook at the Reform Alliance, or you can email us at info at the Reform Alliance dot org. Um, and um, as you know, Dave, we are we have been for years working with low income and and uh, families with children with disabilities to ensure that their kids have the same access that more affluent families have in the state of Arkansas. Uh, before I take my break, uh, Primda, spell that for us. That's P-R-E-N-D-A, Prenda School, singular, dot com. Um, And they have a portal there where you can read everything. If you have more questions, they've been really great. We had a a town hall with them last night. You can go on our Facebook page and uh, watch the town hall. Uh, You can give us a call. You can give them a call. Uh, We had over uh, just about 2,000 people watch the uh, town hall last night. Um, And so it was really, really good. Um, There are a lot of questions. There's some variables. Uh, There's a lot of ways to do this. And we're willing to help anyone uh, set one up based on the dynamics of your community, your neighborhood, or your family. 
All right, I got one more small segment with Lori Lee from the Reform Alliance here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay tuned. We'll get to that once we return after traffic and weather on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with your final segment. Uh, Lori Lee is with us from the Reform Alliance. They've got a new thing called micro schooling. So I'm going to turn it over to her. We've got about six minutes here. Uh, Lori, what is micro schooling? How does it work? How are you all facilitating this with groups here in Arkansas? So great question, Dave, and thank you for uh, allowing me to share this with uh, your listeners. A micro school is exactly what it sounds like. It's a group of five to ten students who get together in a decided location by their families. This concept is completely run by a family, a community, or a neighborhood um, on their time schedule. You know, I mean, there's some suggestions and some best practices, uh, but – it's really an amazing tool, especially in this time when families are so unsure. It is fit for every family, from those who earn millions of dollars to those who uh, are low-income earners. And uh, we want to, at the Reform Alliance, make sure that those families who struggle financially uh, and who have to go back to work are able to have access to the same opportunities as, as families uh, with high incomes. And so... Um, if you want to get a hold of us about this and other opportunities uh, that are available for students in the state of Arkansas, give us a call at 501-244-9028, or you can visit our website at thereformalliance.org. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. You can email us at info at thereformalliance.org, uh, and we will work to make sure we get all your questions answered. We may not have all the answers, Dave, but we know somebody who does. That's right. So this, this concept is set up. We've chosen to partner with an organization called Prenda. And, again, that's not something that's locked in. They don't have to use Prenda if they don't want to. They can use whatever, and we'll help them navigate that. But but this is this is kind of a turnkey micro school. Um, the cost is one hundred dollars um, for each student and siblings. There is a discount uh, to access the Prenda curriculum, which is a, a combination of world class curriculums uh, around uh, the world. Uh, things like Khan, um, and so uh, we again we are working to get scholarships for those uh, who struggle financially to cover that cost. Um, the only other cost involved is each child uh, would need a, a computer, and we are working to get those donated uh, for our disadvantaged families and, and their children. Uh, and then uh, the guide. The guide is the facilitator. It is not the teacher. The teachers are at Prenda, and they are world-class uh, curriculum experts. Uh, that teach these classes virtually. But, of course, when you have children, um, you have to have an adult present. So um, they uh, use uh, a facilitator, which they call the guide. And a guide is trained by Prenda, and the training is free. And so it takes about a week or two for a guide to get trained up, and uh, we will help facilitate that. Again, that training is free. And then what we're doing, Dave, is we're advocating that the guides be paid, uh, especially in 
in our struggling communities um, because this affords uh, several things. It affords a job for somebody who may not have one. Uh, and then it also promotes education uh, in their family and gives that parent or that community person a tie to um, the education uh, of their kids in that community. And uh, and provides a, a relationship around education uh, for for these kids. So it's really a great thing. I encourage everybody to go to Prenda School, singular, that's prendaschool.com, and just check it out, read about it, uh, let us know what questions you have. There are background checks, and there are home inspect. I mean, this is a really um, tight thing. Um, there are a lot of questions. I understand that, and we're more than willing to uh, walk people through it and take questions, have have another town hall with them, have a meeting, come to our office, whatever is going to be helpful for um, the families. And just making sure our main goal, as always, Dave, has been since we started the Reform Alliance and really since I've been uh, doing school choice, you know, I, I, a little bit about, you know, the reason why is, you know, I was a single mom who had a child who had uh, some learning issues and I couldn't afford a private school. I couldn't afford a tutor. I couldn't afford all these therapies. So I had to find some different avenues. And fortunately for me and my shy, demure personality, you know, it, <laughs> it, <laughs> it took me a minute. But then I then. I quickly realized if I was somebody that was in this situation, there had to be a lot of people and there had to be some people that maybe didn't have my personality or, or, or know some of the people that I knew to get things done. So I started the Reform Alliance to help those uh, people who just want to make sure their kids can read and do math and go out and get a job. And realizing that, you know, the more affluent families uh, in our state have access to the entire education system, while those of us who are not, you know, uh, uh, wealthy uh, struggle. And, you know, we, we should be able to have the same access and same opportunities for our children as, as those folks do. And so that's been our mission all along. That's why we started the Seed scholarship for for uh, kids with disabilities. That's why we're helping low income uh, families start the um, micro schools, and that's why we advocate for programs like educational savings accounts uh, for for low income families, for first responders, for military, um, for people that are out there on the front lines, uh, making sure our um, Kids are safe, our families are safe, and, and things of that nature. So just really encourage uh, neighborhoods and churches and families, um, organizations, anybody. Anybody can do this, Dave, and it's just a, a great thing. If, if that's what you choose, if your kid's being successful at school, then by all means, continue to do that. All right, Lori Lee, thank you for the time. The phone number again, 501-244-9028. If you're to pass your church, make sure you call that number. You need to start one of these micro schools right here in central Arkansas. Thank you, Lori. Talk to you later here on the Dave Ellswick Show. get back to it and it's uh we're we're here in the six o'clock hour uh duck is with me today from duck's garage 
Don Godsey. Everybody knows him as Duck. Duck's Garage over in Benton, down by uh, the old airport on Air Lane Drive. So you can find him right there. You just drive straight down Air Lane, and you'll find him at the at the crook of the curve there. And if you need him, what's the phone number to call you at, uh, Duck, if they want to call you? 501-778-2886. Ask, speak to Ashley or Russell or Blake. All right, there you go. Yeah, because Don may not be there, all right? Uh, he may be God working. ain't there and there as much as he used to be. Yeah, well, that's cool. That's good. You're at that point that you shouldn't have to be there as much. And Russell is uh, your eldest, and so he's the guy who's going to end up taking over in the future. So that's the guy you should talk to. With that all said, Joe is not with us today. Uh, they had an emergency at uh, Joe's garage that he's taking care of. Don't worry, no problems, nothing COVID-19 related or anything. Uh, if you need some work done at Joe's Garage over in Crystal Hills Road, uh, go ahead and give them a call, and, and they'll, they'll get you set up. He's taking care of, of one of his uh, technicians. So I've got a bunch of questions for you, uh, Doc. Uh, uh, we've gotten kind of a, of a moderate break here this week with the heat. So what's going on at Duck's Garage? What's the big issues that seem to be uh, uh, you know, raising your heads right now? All right, Dave, I had a customer. They're from Illinois. They called and said, hey, we got a motorhome. It's got a Cummins in it. We've been broke down since we left Southern Illinois uh, Sunday afternoon. They left Sunday about wow. noon. He said they broke down. Uh, they finally made it down to Benton and broke down again. So the, the guy called me, and so I went by and checked it myself and told him, I said, look, we got to nurse this thing to the shop. So we nursed it on about seven miles to the shop, got it to the shop. I figured out that the pickup tube in the tank's broke. It's cracked and it's sucking air. So I said, look, I don't have time to fix it like it needs to be repaired. I said, but I can fix it so y'all can go on traveling. And, you know, and and then when you get home, you can explain to the people what I did. So we went to the bottom of the tank, pulled the drain pan plug out, put a fitting in it, run a pipe, run a hose over it to it, tied it back into his regular stuff. And I said, all right, we're going to go drive it. So I went and drove it. It done fine. He come back, dropped uh, my guy off, and him and his wife and his wife's, uh, his, him and his, him and his brother and their two wives, they left. They called me this morning and said, hey, we're in the uh, western part of Texas. The thing's doing fine. I said, well, when you get home, just remember, you know, he said, oh, I, I've got it all wrote down, how, what you did and, and what for them to do. So, but. There again, Dave, they had been at four or five different places and nobody would help them. And That's we sad. Didn't really, we didn't really have time to help them, but, you know, when you're traveling and you're trying to go on vacation and you break down, so, you know, Russell said, I told Russell, I said, just take time out. I said, we'll move somebody around that don't have to be done today. And we did, and, and it took about uh, two and a half hours to fix it. You know, I, I charged him three hours labor, and, and and his wife kept looking at me, and she said, I don't think this is enough. She said, we've been charged more than this, and they ain't done nothing for us. And I said, well, that's just, I said, that's how much time I got in it. That's what I'm going to charge you, that in the parks. And and uh, so, you know, just as nice as people as you could ever meet, Dave, you know, and, yeah. and you know, and they was broke, and, you know, they was, you know, trying to, they was going to the Grand Canyon for spending a couple weeks out there, so. But, you know, there again, 
sometimes you just have to stop what you do and take care of people. Well, that's the way that's the way the good book says we're supposed to do, isn't it? Yes, sir. And you know, and, and that's why you know, Russell said that I can move him over here and him over here. So we got it in, and I got I shipped him out of there yesterday. Up Russell did about three thirty. Good. Good, and and they're out in West Texas now on their way to Grand Canyon. So you did a good job, yep. Duck. That the repair held. That's good. Did a good thing. Congratulations on that. You ready for a question? Let's go for it. All right, here we go. Jeremy has a 2002 Volkswagen Golf, a GTI 337 four-cylinder 1.8 liter. Here's what he asks. Uh I had to haul my car into the shop after a cracked exhaust uh, melted my brake line and bled all the fluid. I had the car turned off and a tow on the way within 10 minutes of the leak occurring, but the shop is telling me that it's damaged the seals on the master cylinder as well as the rear calipers and discs and that they'll need to replace the whole set. They're a pretty reputable shop, but I'm just scratching my head as to how uh, five-ish minutes of driving with bleeding brake hoses. Obviously, no two cars are the same, and I'm famously unlucky with cars. But I've had friends bleed hoses with no problem, and it just seems like a very short window for the brake seals to dry and crack. What do you think? Well, Dave, it's not dried and cracked. What has happened, when the exhaust got onto the brake line and burnt the brake line into it, it has cooked the fluid in it. And the cooked fluid has screwed everything up, and that's why you need to replace it all. You'll never make it work right until you replace it all because that fluid has got so hot that it's boiled and it's messed everything up. Mm-hmm. So they're they're correct. They need to be replaced because... I mean, you probably could go in and put a brake line on it and put one caliper on it and maybe get by with it for a day or two. But tomorrow, then the next one's going to go, and the next one's going to go. And what has happened is boil the fluid. The fluid has got so hot it's boiled because brake fluid is a lot of water. And so it's boiled the fluid, and then it's, it's just ate the seals up and everything. Yeah, if it got that hot, it's it's destroyed the seals as well. Yes, sir. And, and it's just cooked everything. And, and it's just made everything real brittle. And, and that's why, you know, the the guy whoever's done it, I'm going to say he's probably correct. It probably does need to be, uh, you know, replaced. And you're going to wind up, rep- and you probably wind up replacing all the brake lines, all the rubber brake lines, because it's cooked them on the inside. Okay. All right. Yeah, because that, that fluid isn't just in one line. It's in all the lines, correct? Yes, sir. And it, it, it works back and forth, so... You know, it's it, most likely he's going to wind up replacing the whole brake system before it's all said and done. All right, let's continue. 2009 Nissan Altima fuel pump relay location. Trent's got a 2009 Nissan Altima. Uh, it is a four-cylinder, 2.5 liter. He says, my car engine won't turn over. It was diagnosed a while ago as a fuel pump gone bad. Now... I replaced the fuel pump, but it isn't getting power to it. I bought a new relay, but I cannot find where to put it at. Does anyone know where it is? Also, uh, note, my car has no check engine lights, 
no brake lights, no crank issues, like it runs great. So if there are any other possible reasons why the the engines won't run over after it cranks, can you let me know? There you go, Doc. This sounds like a mystery to me. Well, what year model did you say it was? 2009 Nissan Altima four-cylinder, two-and-a-half-liter engine. Well, I think what he's looking for is made inside the body control module. Okay. It, it depends on which model it is and which setup it's got on it, but I, I'm almost sure that one there is made into the body control module. If it's not, it'll be on it'll be underneath the hood on the left-hand side, right above, right by the shock tower. There is a control panel box there. And it's possibility it could be in there, but I'm almost sure it's made in a body control module. Okay, so you're you're looking at a fairly significant repair, correct? If it's made in a body control module, yes, sir. You're probably looking at somewhere thousand dollar range to fix it. Okay, all right. And if it's and if his fuel pump did short out, it's very possibility that it blowed the it blowed the body control module. All right, keep all this in mind as you're listening to this today uh, because uh, I'm not going to ask Duck to re- repeat it. That one is the body control module. Let's, ha- let's do one more question, then we'll take our first break. Louie has a 1997 Chrysler Grand Voyager LE six-cylinder 3.8 liter. He says, I have a problem with my Chrysler Grand Voyager. Ten years ago, the shifter uh, knob, transmission shifter, got loose, so I can't get it into any gear ten years ago. It happens again now, and the mechanic I I used back then is no more, so I can't ask him, sadly. Anyone who can link me to some information about this problem, repair guide or more information about this problem. I used to get the car transported to my new mechanic, but the uh, never tried this repair before. So uh, to understand what the problem is, the manual gear shifter stick inside the car got loose or broke. Uh, It's come its connection to the gearbox. I hope that makes sense of what I just wrote. That makes so sense what year you. model was it, Dave? It is a 1997 Chrysler. It's uh, Is it a standard or automatic? I didn't quite understand if he said it was a standard or automatic. He did not say. He just said that the uh, he made the statement that uh, the shifter broke off 10 years ago. Somebody fixed it for him. And now it's messed up again. And who should he who should he go with? Well, how should he get it fixed? I'm, I, I'm gonna say it's probably automatic, and I'm gonna say it's probably it's got a shift. Uh, it's got a a deal on top of the transmission that that shifts. You know, puts it in out of gear. It's got a, a plastic ball socket that snaps all that together. And I'm going to say the plastic ball sockets is busted and come out of it and let the shifter fall off. Uh, you know, he can take it to me or he can bring it to Joe's. One of us will be more than welcome to take care of him. Okay. It's really not a whole lot of trouble to, to repair. You know, we just 
got to take it apart and replace all the plastic pieces and put it all back together. Uh, you're probably looking at a couple, three, four hundred dollars tax and all. All right, that's fair. I don't think that's uh, an unfair price to to charge when you got to take all that apart. All right, Duck is with us here on the our car and truck segment that we do on Wednesdays. Joe is out of pocket, but Duck will be back uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Remember, you can always e- email your questions to me. Uh, send them to Heidi H E I D I H E I D I at SalemLR.com. Send them to her, and she'll get them to me, and then I'll ask Duck and and, uh, Joe here on the air. A break and then more coming your way on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Another segment of the Dave Ellswick Show with Duck from Duck's Garage on Fair, on Airlane Drive out in Benton. He joins us today. Normally it would be he and Joe, but Joe is out because he had, had an emergency at uh, the business that he had to take care of. Nothing that uh, uh, is, uh, you know, deadly or anything like that. I want everybody to know that. Nothing COVID-19 related. Nothing like that. He'll be back with us on, uh, and I think Joe's back with us on Saturday. And if I'm not mistaken, are you coming in as uh, as well, Duck, uh, this Saturday yeah. because of this new guy? Yeah, the, yeah me and Joe's going to be there with a the new guy. Okay, well, I'll be at home, but that's all right. It'll sound like my disembodied spirit is with you. So, <laughs> yeah, he'll get, to, he'll get to sit there with you guys. And be in the studio because I know he wanted to see the studio and whatnot. So he gets the he gets the dog and pony show come this Saturday. All right, yeah. so let's go back. Uh, let's go go on with our questions that we got here. I got a '95 GMC C1500 Sierra eight cylinder 5.7. So he says, so I got this '95 uh, GMC Sierra. I recently purchased new slotted rotors and brake pads that came together as a set. The first one I installed on the passenger side and fit fine. But the one on the driver's side, the space between the brake pads in, and the caliper is too thin and won't go over the rotor. I already compressed the caliper piston as far as humanly possible, and it still doesn't fit. What did I miss? Well, Dave, that's kind of a $64,000 question. Okay. (laughs) Um, Most likely, it's got some sludge behind the piston on the caliper, and it's not letting it go all the way in. Uh, You know, anybody that's done them, they know what to look for to see if it's going all the way back. Most likely, the rotor, you know, it could be that the rotor's too thick. They didn't machine it down far enough. But I doubt it real serious if he bought slotted rotors because usually the slotted rotors, they don't never have no trouble out of them. They run a whole lot cooler. They work a whole lot better. Um, I'm going to say he ain't got the caliper pushed all the way in. Okay. And it's probably got sludge behind the caliper. He may wind up replacing the caliper because uh, it's got sludge. And, and all brake fluid gets sludge built up in back in behind stuff. So, you know. Probably what he needs to do is, Blake, is knock the bleeder screw loose and let it push that sludge on out, and then it'll probably go on back another quarter of an inch, and it'll let it slide down on it. 
Okay. All right. So or bottom buy line a new is, caliper and put on it. Bottom line is try, try again is what you're saying, huh? Exactly. Try it again. You just ain't got it all the way back in. Because if the right one went on, the left one ought to go on too. All right. I'm going to say it's not a part fault. I'm going to say it's probably a caliper fault. All right. Just for everybody to to, to keep in mind that uh, sometimes uh, the best laid plans do not work the way you want them to work, correct? Exactly. Okay. Just I need everybody to keep that in mind. I just lost my questions. I'm I'm researching my emails here, Doc, to, to find them. That's uh, fine. Because uh, Heidi does a great job of sending them to me, but because of some things that have happened at, uh, with Salem and our email systems, we're kind of doing a, a you know barbed wire and spit kind of way of, of getting around. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to, to, to find them here, and, and it's not helping me out right now. I'm, I'm looking. I'm going to find them soon and do it, but uh, it look, just looks like her whole. Her well, why, why was, while you're doing that, we're going to talk go about these slotted rotors. Okay, go uh, ahead. Uh, slotted rotors, while they're slotted for it, gets air in between the, the pads when it's spinning. It'll catch, catch a little air, and it cools the pads off real quick, and it cools the rotors off. Uh the sheriff's department down there in Slane County, they kept having pads on these Dodge trucks. We kept, they kept replacing the disc pads, and it burns them up because you know them guys may be running a hundred when they slam the brakes on. So I went. We had one of the trucks that eat them up all the time. So we went with a slotted rotor and a set of uh, of aggressive pads for it. Now, granted, when you replace the the pads you're going to put rotors on it because these these hard pads that we're putting on these start on these uh sheriff department vehicles right are great they used to get about thirteen thousand miles out of a set of rotors and pads now we're getting about fifty thousand miles out of a set of rotors and pads wow just so just so much better rotors i mean they're like i say they're slotted i know you know know exactly what the guy's talking about a slotted rotor uh but if if you're like a taxi cab driver or someone that's delivering stuff, if you put slotted rotors on it, you'll get three times the life out of them. Well, that's pretty cool. Now they are more expensive. They are about twice as expensive as regular set of pads and rotors. But you know, somebody that's working with it, if you can get three times the life out of it, you know, you're money ahead. All right. So just keep that in mind. I mean, that's kind of old school, but it's all right because it's old school sometimes works better than new school, doesn't it? Exactly. Sometimes. And, and these are rotors that they put on race cars and stuff that they develop, you know, for race cars. Because you know yourself how hot a race car rotor gets. It glows in the dark. Yes. You know, so then they've, you know, and and the technology on, on pads has come up a long ways in the last few years. So. If if you're in a what we call a severe environment, you know where you're breaking and stopping a whole lot. If you buy these, you know, and bumper to bumper has them. I buy all mine through bumper to bumper. They have ninety percent of them in stock. And but like I say, they are more expensive. They are, you know, they are more expensive. But you can get you can get three times the life out of them. You can't have a regular set of pads and rotors, you know. Okay. Well, we'll keep. I think everybody should keep that in mind. When we come back, 
I got a question about uh, to start us off in the next segment about a 2014 Ford Escape, and it doesn't seem to shift right. This may be more of a Gary Henry uh, question than it is for us on a, a Wednesday morning or Wednesday evening, but we'll get to it. Remember, if you have a question, Heidi, H-E-I-D-I, at Salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R dot com. She'll get the question. She'll forward it uh, to me. We'll be back in just a moment. We've got a five-minute break coming up. We've got to get you some news and some other things here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But we'll pause right now for that. Then we'll be back here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. Into the next segment, Duck is here from Duck's Garage down on uh, uh, Fair Lane Drive in Benton. That's uh, next to the old airport right there on Fair Lane. Uh, as you get into the turn from uh, the access road, you'll see it. It's 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 there, and uh, it's the place that's got all the cars around it. That people are taking them to Ducks to get them fixed. So uh, he's up to his. You've been up to your eyeballs, haven't you? No, nah, we've been above the eyeballs here lately, Dave. Okay, well, that tells us a lot of things are uh, COVID-19 is is not as bad as everybody thinks it is if people want to get the cars fixed. Yeah, and and another thing, too, Dave, we've implemented a program where all of my technicians, I've done it and Joe's done it, everybody gets their temperature checked every morning. And we got four questions we ask people. You know, have you been around anybody? Have you been sick? Have you been running a fever? Every morning, Ashley asks them all the same questions, you know, and, and it's just more for our safety and our customer safety. Sure. To, you know, just kind of keeping up with it. But, you know, where if something does happen, hey, I've got where this has been all the way down through here. Nobody's been sick. Nobody's had no fever, you know. So, and we got a deal where if you don't want to talk to us, all you got to do is call us, drop your uh-huh. car off, put the, put the key in the drop box with, along with the, envelope and your phone number we'll take care of you we'll call you when it's ready you can come pick it up at night without us even touching it or you know just we can take care of it anyhow you want to do it can't do it any better than that duck and that's the bumper to bumper certified service centers all across arkansas and another thing dave i have a company that comes in every thursday afternoon they get there about four thirty. And they clean the offices and the bathroom and the sitting room, and they spray it with some kind of chemical that's supposed to kill all the all the COVID nineteen germs, just in case somebody does, you know, customer does come in and you know maybe got it. So they come in every Thursday and do that, and uh, and they are Arkansas certified COVID nineteen uh, specialists, whatever you want to call them. So you know, just. Trying to keep everybody safe. I am Joe's, you know, and you know Ryan over at his place, and Gary Henry. We're all trying to just keep all of our customers as safe as we can keep them. Yeah, I know Kenneth Sullivan was telling me about they got those same kind of protocols. Bumper to bumper uh, is using those kinds of protocols at their warehouse, aren't they? Yes, sir. Uh, used to you could go in the warehouse and stand around in there. Now you go in, pick your part up, and you must leave. You know, and uh, it it it's a good ideal. You know, uh, you know, it just makes everything better. Yep. Customers feel safe. That's the, that's the key to all of it. Is for them to feel safe, so they come to their bumper to bumper certified service centers and know that those bumper to bumper parts and what are or whatnot 
have not been infected in any way. Yes, sir. All right, got a question. Here we go. 2014 Ford Escape SE, four-cylinder, 1.6. I've got this 2014 Ford Escape. It's got 105,000 miles on it. And when I first take off from a stop sign, it will bog down and it hesitates going at first. This is like the third time it's done it in a month. It also shifts hard into second gear. Just seeing if you had any opinion on what's going on. I'm not sure if my transmission is going or if I should change my transmission fluid or what I should do, question mark. Well, Dave, he's probably not got transmission trouble. He has engine problem. And when it bogs down, it's bogging down for one of three reasons. Either it's lower fuel pressure, the fuel filter stopped up, or you've got an intake leak. Uh... I'm going to say I'd lay your odds with 107,000 miles. It probably needs a fuel pump in the tank. But okay. there again, if, if you'll bring it to one of us and let us put a pressure gauge on it, you can look at the pressure when it's, you know, and you also can go in and look at the, how many amps the motor's pulling on the fuel pump. Most likely he's going to need a fuel pump in the tank. It's, and, but, and, the, and the reason it's shifting hard it's because the motor won't build enough steam to make it shift easy like it's supposed to. Now, bottom line, uh, you know, what Duck is saying is something that you hear him say all the, te- uh, all the time, test, don't guess. Yeah. Well, you can take the computer and put on it, and you can look at all that. It'll take you about an hour and a half to run, uh, you know, time you start until you run all the tests, and you can say, okay, it needs a fuel pump in it, but uh, you know. But lay odds, it needs a fuel pump in it. By what he's describing, by when he accelerates, it bobs down. That's because it's lower fuel pressure, and it's shifting hard because the motor won't build enough RPMs quick enough to make it shift easy. Sounds interesting. I got a really interesting question now. This this sounds like a possessed automobile to me. Uh, uh, Ozzy says he's got a 2013 Ford Taurus SE six-cylinder with a 3.5-liter motor. He says, I've got this 2013 Ford Taurus. I recently replaced the fuel pump after months of sitting. Once I got it running, I drove it and went to park the car. And while the transmission itself will go in park, the dash light will not indicate that the vehicle is in park. The dash will show every other gear, reverse, neutral, drive, and the manual option, just not park. This also does not allow my key to be released from the ignition and some of my dash lights to stay on running my battery dead. I'm doing some research, but thought it best just to ask you guys, uh, so uh, nothing I've seen online matches up exactly to my problem. What do you think? Well, Dave, if he'll lay down in the floorboard, look up at the bottom of the steering column, he'll find the shift cable is bolted to the bottom of the steering column. Uh-huh. And what's the matter, the boat, it's got three boats in it. One of the boats has fell out, and he's probably found it in the floor and looked at it thinking, now, where did this go? It's a Torx-headed boat. And what it is, it's loose, and it will not let it go all the way in the park so it can pull the key out. How about that? That is a common problem 
not only on Ford, but on Dodge and Chevrolet. They all use basically the same setup, and uh, but that's that's a common problem on a Ford. Uh, we've that's seen it hundreds of times. I've seen it. Joe's seen it, and 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 you'll ask them, "Hey, have you found a boat laying in the floorboard? You didn't know where it come from? Yeah, I got it in my ashtray right here. It is." <laughs> okay, let me have it. Yeah, I mean, let me let me fix your car. <laughs> but what we've been what we normally do now is we've got some uh some red looking Loctite. We'll take and take all three bolts out, clean them up good, clean the hole out good, put Loctite on them, screw them back in there and tighten them up. All right, and, there you go uh, there. That, you know, that that's I would have never thought of that. I don't think an average Joe would ever think of that. You know it because you've seen it happen before. And you'll be surprised how many times we ask people, did you find a boat laying in the floor? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got it right here. It is. And they'll have it in their cup holder or in their, you know, they'll put it in, a, you know, they know it's for something, but they just, you know, unless you know where to go look, I mean, you can look for hours and not find it. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. How many people, well, how many people are going to lay in the floor? Yeah. How many people are going to lay down in the floorboard and look up underneath their, uh, their dash? Uh, to find out where a bolt goes from. I don't know, maybe 1% of the populace, but rest of us are going to say, huh, I wonder where that's from, and throw it in the ashtray. And that's what mostly happens, you know, but you can ask them about the boat, and they can they can tell you most time right where it is, or some of them will tell you, oh, I threw it out. I thought it fell out of something, you know. Yeah. I picked it up on my shoe, and it, you know, it fell out in, you know, off my shoe or something, but. But most of them will throw it in their ashtray or put it in their glove box. and they, Because the only place you can get them boats from is like the Little Rock Boat. David over there, he stocks them. But we put Loctite on them, and so does Joe, because we've talked back and forth, and so does Gary Henry. We just Loctite them. That way you don't have to worry about them coming out no more. All right. All right, final question for this segment. I got a 2007 Dodge Caliper. Recently have heard a squeaking from the driver's front only during acceleration, not during coasting or idling or parked. The serpentine belt is in good condition. Recently, a brand new headlight assembly on the driver's side was installed and no longer works, possibly unrelated. Today, the heater blower motor quit, and when I idle at a drive through I switched from defrost to every other setting. The car began vibrating heavily. When I switched back to defrost, the vibration stopped. I switched from full fan, where it originally was, to no fan, and it began heavy vibration again. But when switched back to full fan, the vibration did not stop until I put it in park. This is all the diagnosis I've been able to do so far. And I'm limited only to what I can check under the hood or behind the wheel at the moment. Any idea what's going on? Yeah, they they need to come see one of us. Okay. Um, without seeing it, it's kind of hard to to tell him what's wrong. But if he'll come by me or Joe or Ryan or Gary Henry, wherever he's located at, find him a certified center and take it in and show them exactly what's going on. I got a pretty good idea of what's happening, but I'd rather them bring it in. Let's look at it. And that way I can, you know, one of us can explain to them this and what it's going to take. It's probably going to have to have an AC compressor. The compressor is probably locking up on it. Uh-huh. And when you, 
and it's and the compressor's coming on and it's hammering it real bad. It's probably got a desket bag coming apart and it's filled it full of, of the the little balls that that heat some moisture out of the system. But uh, if he'll come in, we'll we'll show him what it is and show him how to fix it. All right, get him, get him took care of and get him on down the road. All right. Well, let's you and I take a break, and in about four minutes, we'll come back and finish up for this win today. Duck is with me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay tuned. More car questions and answers coming your way on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Final segment for a Wednesday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Tomorrow for Thursday, first hour, J.R. Davis, Seth May will be on, and uh, we'll, be, we'll start ramping up now talking about November uh, third uh, for election day coming up and uh, and what all is uh, is going on uh, with questions about uh, uh, that time of the year right now though duck is with me he's answering car questions james has a 2008 gmc canyon five cylinder 3.7 liter it's a wt if that means anything and he says, how do you know if you've got a bad ignition switch? He says, over the last couple of months, sometimes my truck doesn't want to turn over. Light and everything come on, but the engine won't turn over. Not even a click or anything. Then about once a week or, or so, I'll go to start it up in the morning and my battery will be completely uh, drained. I get a jump and it uh, starts right up with no issues. I've had starter, alternator, and battery checked. All are good. I'm starting to think it might be my ignition switch starting to go bad. Could it be that, or is it something else? There you go, Duck. I think the guy's on the right track here. Well, Dave, he probably is, but it's probably, I bet his keys wore out, and when he turns the key all the way off and pulls the key out, it's not going all the way off. It's leaving on. It's leaving on accessories. Uh, first thing I do, I, I look at my key and see how bad wore down my key is. Okay. Most people on a key ring. Most people has got ten or twelve keys hanging on a key ring. And Dave, and you've heard me and Joe talk about this. Going down a road, that key ring is swinging back and forwards. Right. And it's steady wearing that key out. Look at your key. See what your key looks like, and if you have a new key, because that should be a program key, uh, it, you know, it should have the anti-theft like, you know, anti-theft stuff on it. And what he's probably done, the key is so wore out that it'll pull out. I bet if he cranks it and puts it in the wrong position, the key will pull out of the ignition switch without any trouble. Okay. Because the key is so wore out. The first thing I do is come by me or come by Joe, or you can look at it yourself, and if you see the key wore out, you can go to Chevrolet. You have to have the, the all the information to take in there, and I think it's about uh, about thirty dollars for them to make you a key off the key code. But you have to have the registration. You have to have whoever it's registered to. They have to have their driver's license and all that to get a key made for it. But Chevrolet will cut you a key, and most likely he's got a bad key, Dave. Okay. And it's not turning one. When when the battery goes down, it's it's staying on accessories, and I guarantee you, if you look, the radio will still be on and all that stuff. Which the newer ones, after everything runs ten minutes, the computer will turn it off. Even if you do leave the key on, it won't run but ten minutes, and then it turn itself off. 
Okay. Uh, that's what that's the way they're set up. But I, I'd lay your odds he's got a bad key, Dave. All right. All right. We've got about seven minutes left. We might be able to get a couple of questions in, so let me try. Uh, Damien's got a 2005 Dodge Dakota SLT eight-cylinder 4.7 liter. He says, hey, why is my car overheating? He says, all the usual suspects have been checked off. New thermostat, new pump, and new radiator cap. Clutch fan works, no leaks, gaskets, and block are fine. Radiator and block have been flushed. Water is flowing fine. Heater blows hot air. It still overheats, but if you turn on the heater, it goes back to normal temperature and is fine as long as the heater is on. That's the big clue here. Any ideas? Dave, how many times we've heard this lately? <laughs> I was going to say, we've heard this question a lot, haven't we? Yep. Uh, it's got a blown head gasket. Uh-huh. I, I'd like probably what's happened, he had a radiator leak or a thermostat problem. He's fixed the problem, but now he's got to repair the problem that it created. And it's created a blowed head gasket. It's probably not leaking real bad, or it'd be running hot, or, you know, it'd be run hot all the time. So, what you need to do is we have some chemical you can put pour in a jug, stick it down over the radiator cap, take the radiator cap off, stick it in the radiator, and crank it up. You got a little old deal like, you know, like you taking your blood pressure. It right. pulls the air up out of the radiator. It'll turn the chemical yellow looking. It's kind of a greenish color when we pour it in there, but, but, once it gets the carbon out the, of you know of the of the exhaust into it, it'll turn it yellow looking. Most likely, he has a blowed head gasket now. Okay, how difficult is that to change on uh, this car? If the head's not busted, uh, you're looking at probably somewhere in uh, twelve to fifteen hundred dollar range. Yeah, a lot of work involved to do this. Yeah, you got to pull the timing chain off. You got to pull, you know, the whole top of the engine off. Somewhere is in that range, you know, providing that you don't get in there and find something else once you get, you know, get it opened up. But he's most likely got a blowed head gasket. All right. How about he, a tw- he has killed, Go ahead. Cured his he has killed his original problem. Probably was a radiator leak because they're notorious about cracking the radiator right below the radiator cap. Yeah. From the water circulating through them plastic radiators. He's cured his problem that started all this, but now he's got to cure what it caused. I got you. All right, Tammy sent us a question about a 2014 Hyundai Tucson uh, GL, four-cylinder, two-liter engine. She said, it's got mild knocking when I accelerate. This started about a week ago and has gotten progressively worse. After the engine warms up, when I accelerate, I hear a mild knocking. I describe it to my son as a gurgle. The car runs well. Had an oil change recently. Good gas mileage, 26, 27 miles to a gallon. And the tires are good. 84,000 miles on the car. You got any ideas? Where is this sound coming from? Uh, Dave, it could be four or five different things. She could be hearing a CV axle clocking okay when she accelerates it the cv axle when it gets wore out it'll do the same thing eighty some thousand miles it shouldn't be wore out unless unless she's run over something and tore the boot and slung all the grease out of it um she needs to come see one of us 
and we'll go for a ride with her, and we can tell her if it's a CV axle, which by what she's describing, I'd almost say it's a CV axle. Okay. By what yeah. she's describing, because she's hearing that. It's actually not a clocking noise. It's a popping noise. And when okay. you accelerate it real hard, it'll make that popping noise, and you think it's because it's right underneath the engine, and you think it's coming out of the engine, but it's really not. All right. Final question. We got you got you got a minute and a half to answer this one, Duck. Here we go. 2015 Mazda 3 Grand Touring 4-cylinder 2-liter. Rear defrosting lines ruined by dealer. I recently purchased a Mazda 3 from CarMax. I wanted to get my windows tinted, so I went into a local tinting shop to get a quote. The gentleman went out to my car to take a look at the condition of my vehicle. He immediately noticed that there was still a thin adhesive layer left over from a previous tent and also noted that part of the rear defrosting lines were also messed up due to a poor tent removal job. He said that doing a good tent job would not be possible without both of those issues being addressed. Uh, The other folks said that they could not replace the rear window because my issue was only due to my desire to have a tent layer applied by a third party. Is there any way to fix the rear defrosting lines without replacing the entire windshield? It's no. Caught between, no. Caught between a rock and a hard place. No. Only way you can do it, that stuff is the way it's designed. The only way you can do it is put a rear window in it. Or, Dave, you can peel the rest of it off and let them put the tin on it then. All right. You just won't, you just won't have no rear window defroster. There's your answer. May not have been the one you want, but there's your answer. Duck, thanks a lot. I'll talk to you on Saturday, brother. Thank you, Dave. See you later. All right. That's it for uh, the car and the truck guys giving you answers today. Be with me tomorrow. We'll get underway at 6 a.m. right here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer.